Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Chris Manning from Locked On Cavaliers. Today is another Locked On Network crossover. On the other line is Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors. Sean, what's up, man? I am good. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Um, so uh, let's before we even get into some of this uh, more specific Cavs Raptors stuff, Serge Ibaka, Kevin Love, where were you when the Boogie Cousins uh, trade to the Pelicans <laughs> went down, and what went through your mind when that happened? I was. Yeah, I was, like, watching a movie with my girlfriend, and then my roommate came out and said something about the boogie stuff, like, heating up, and then, like, I just spent the entire night just ignoring my girlfriend and looking at Twitter, and, uh, yeah, I was just kind of blown away, and it was, like, one of my favorite NBA Twitter nights in recent memory, like, maybe even since, like, the DeAndre Jordan kidnapping, like, it was just, everyone was making jokes, everyone was just kind of so shocked, and just, like, it, it seemed like something that was never going to happen, and for it to materialize the way it did, just out of nowhere, I was losing my mind, and then, there, of course, there were Raptors fans, and I mean, Boogie Cousins has been, at like, a, a like a pipe dream for Raptors fans for a long time, and then, of course, there were Raptors fans who decided to go, oh, Masai Ujiri's an idiot, he could have gotten Boogie for the less than, what, or he could have made an offer better than what the Pelicans did, and just, like... So there was that, dealing with that, you know, annoying nonsense that night as well. But yeah, it was just shock and just like endless laughter at the endless stream of jokes coming in, I guess. Yeah, I feel like bad for Kings fans. Um, I do too. Like, hug a Kings blogger, man. Yeah, like, find a Kings (laughs) blogger, like, you know, send them some, send them like a a Cheryl's cookie or something, or like, just send them like something, (laughs) like, so they can just be happy. Um, I mean, there's also, just kind of, to kind of vet this, the Raptors, there's like a thing where they maybe offered something. Do you think there's any truth to that? I don't know because it sounded like I was listening to the Woj podcast today with yep. Bobby Marks talking about the deal and it said that like he said that the Kings kind of just handpicked the teams they wanted to deal with and you know I think it sounded like they wanted young guys like Buddy Heald they wanted picks I mean the Raptors have picks but I mean they're not particularly valuable picks because they're pretty low uh, and then they wanted expiring contracts and the Raptors don't really have many of those I mean 
Jonas Valanciunas would have had to go into any deal to match with Boogie Cousins anyway, and I don't know if with all the young guys, all young, all the young bigs on that roster, if they were going to be into having Jonas Valanciunas, who's locked up for a long-term deal at this point. So I don't think the Raptors had what the the Kings were looking for per se. I mean, do I think Norman Powell has a chance to be a better player than Buddy Heald? Maybe I'm not sure, but like there, there's that definitely that possibility. But if the Kings think that, or if Vivek Randadive thinks that Buddy Hield is next Steph Curry, like there's just no offer that the Raptors were gonna be able to make that was gonna match what they wanted. So like I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Masai Ujiri was into it. At the same time, Masai is like very culture conscious, and that's sort of what the Raptors have built here over the last little while with Dwayne Casey, and it's been a really sort of good, harmonious locker room for the most part over the last five or six years now. And maybe a guy like Wookie Cousins is a guy they weren't really willing to bring into the mix to, you know, risk blowing it all up. So I, I really have no gauge. I've never, I haven't heard anything. Um, I, I just I have no gauge on whether or not the, the Raptors w- would have been in the conversation for that. I mean, Masai Ujiri's, you know, ship is notoriously tight, so I don't even know if that'll end up leaking at some point. Um, but yeah, I, it was a pipe dream for Raptors fans because of the hole that they had at power forward for the longest time. But that was filled last week anyway, so... I don't know why people were uh, getting all up in arms over no 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 to Marcus Cousins for the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, and probably no one the the Raptors had to offer is big like Clay and can shoot like Steph. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, just just facts there, fortunately. But uh, I, I, I mean, big so much. I've I've really enjoyed this time off, like the the oh, few me days. Too. Me too. Me too. The slog of the NBA season like kind of sucks right now. Love yeah, it. but it's like it, it's given all the really dumb teams like extra time with their thoughts. <laughs> or, like they they just don't have anything. There's no games to play. There's nothing for them to do. So like, okay, we got to do something stupid right now. So like, Magic Johnson fires the entire Lakers front office. Although I like the deal he made for Lou yeah, Williams. Yeah, no, that like he, the, for his first deal is super confident. Like yeah, like okay, all right, Magic, I got, I, I feel you. But like the you have the Wolves. You're talking about Derrick Rose. You have the obviously the Kings and whatever they're doing. Like just so many dumb teams doing things and it's great um and I, I think the the long the long layoff here between games is definitely facilitating that yeah i mean and then you have in boston danny angels over there just being like looking at terry rozier and it's like oh can't, <laughs> can't trade him for jimmy butler can't on this eastern it. conference podcast we better have a lot of boston Celtics slander because oh, I'm, I'm, uh... i feel like it's like nuts too because if you like look at like the our, our uh, friends over at lockdown celtics like i think they're sort of like yeah like get jimmy butler like my, based on seeing them on twitter it's like yeah like you probably should go get jimmy butler but it's just like i would yeah. like if i was me i would have pulled the trigger on that deal like a week ago you know like i would have just been like you want the next pick sure like you yeah. want you want you want Jay Crowder and you want Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart or two of those three guys? Sure, have them. Like you want Jalen Brown? You're giving me Jimmy Butler. Like I'm doing that. Well, that's the thing with Boston, right? Is like they, they're after the superstar, but at the same time, like the, the number of superstars that's going to be available is kind of dwindling at this point. I mean, Boogie just got traded. Maybe they were in on him. Maybe they weren't. And then if Butler gets dealt somewhere, I mean, maybe he doesn't get dealt at all. I don't really know why the Bulls are so quick to trade Jimmy Butler. It doesn't make much sense to me. Like, yeah, I agree. He like just keep him. You're you're sort of a playoff team right now, and maybe you can sort of offload some of the dead contracts and horrible players you have, and maybe retool. I mean, you have some nice building blocks there. I mean, Doug McDermott isn't great, but he's like fine. And, you know, Robin Lopez is a guy who you can sort of build a defense around. So like, I don't know why they're so quick to trade Butler, and maybe they won't trade him at all. It sounds like maybe it's leaning towards him not getting traded but after him it's like maybe paul george is like the next star available and after that i mean it's going to be really hard for guys to move and sort of pass up on uh you know they're not going to be requesting trades when there's you know a huge potential you know long-term extension for guys with the new cba coming up and i just don't know 
how many stars are going to move after maybe the next couple here. Like, Butler and George might be the last two to move for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and if I was... I'd be, if I was one of those teams, I'd be really hesitant to trade one of those two guys. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's hard it, to players that good, yeah, man. And it's hard to, like, draft anybody that has a chance of being that good. And it's like both, neither of those guys were the top picks either, right? Like, it's not like those guys were coming out of college and were the, the one of the top five prospects. These were guys that were taken later on in the first round. These yeah. were guys that sort of, they got those teams, that, not like saying they lucked into them, because that's, that's saying, like, everything is luck, but, like, they actually did um, – they actually did sort of have to get like lucky to have those guys be in the right spot and to have teams value with them a certain way. Yeah, I think as long as stars aren't begging to be traded and they're being you know actively detrimental to your locker room, then I, I think it, you have to hold on to them at all costs. I think that's the only way it makes sense, it just because they're so rare, right? Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, all right, so the Raptors actually speaking of trades already made a deal. <laughs> You got, Serge, you got Serge Ibaka for, what, a pick and uh, Terrence Ross? Yep. That's For me, that's like a good – like, I'm not a big Terrence Ross guy, so, like, I'm like, that's a good deal. Um, All right, I'm hanging, I, up, I, hanging I, up now. Hanging up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was right. Yeah, you're the Terrence Ross guy. I just lo- – I love Norm. Like, I just really like Norm. And I like yeah. – and I like DeLon. Like, I like DeLon, right? Like, I like – I like – I just think, like, if you're going to get Ibaka, like, you might as well – like, I'm cool with it. But how, how do you think Ibaka helps Toronto? Like, how, how much do you think this actually changes their trajectory, and how much better do you think he makes them? Well, first of all, I, I, while, I'm a, while I'm the quote-unquote the Terrence Ross guy, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm totally okay with this deal. I think, you know, it, it was a nice sort of value pickup for the Raptors considering what Ibaka went for in the summer. I mean, the Raptors were in the conversation to get Ibaka in the summer, and the, the offer or the, the demand from Oklahoma City was Corey Joseph, Norm Powell, Patrick Patterson, and their first-round pick, which ended up being Jakob Pertle at ninth overall. So, like, it just... It, it was not a good return at the time. And for Masai to sort of wait it out and get, you know, the guy he wanted all along for Terrence Ross and the Clippers first round pick, a pick that the Raptors got when they traded Grievous Vasquez to the Bucks for Norman Powell and that pick. I mean, it's just a really good bit of asset management by Masai. And in terms of how Ibaka is going to improve things, I mean, I know we're not getting the Ibaka of, of old, right? I mean, if he can be what he was in the playoffs last season, that is fantastic. But even if he's somewhere in between what he used to be and what he was this year with Orlando, um, I think it's going to be such a huge upgrade because it's not just like he's coming in and replacing, you know, an average guy at power forward. He's coming in and replacing a literal black hole at power forward because it's been Pascal Siakam, it's been Lucas Nogueira, it's been, you know, last season, Luis Scola. Um, a lot of, you know, Patrick Patterson, of course, this season. But when Patrick Patterson is out, there's just nothing there. Uh, Damari Carroll's played a bit of the four. And those lineups have had some success on and off. But mostly, for, for the most part, it's been just nothing from the power forward spot. And to have Ibaka come in and just be much better than a zero, it's going to be just a huge upgrade to the Raptors. And he works, you know, sort of geometry-wise as well. I mean, the thing that with Raptors is that Patrick Patterson and Jonas Valanciunas have always worked well together. Uh, Valanciunas's defensive numbers are always much better when Patterson's next to him. And that's because it sort of, you know, affords him the opportunity to kind of hang back near the rim where he's better. And he, when he's, you know, around the rim and in position, he's a pretty decent rim protector. He's not, you know, Rudy Gobert or anything, but he's pretty solid in that regard. Where he gets in trouble is when he gets sort of pulled away from the basket. And, you know, next to Ibaka, he's either going to be able to sort of hang back near the basket because Ibaka can kind of guard guys out on the perimeter. Or if teams are pulling Valanciunas to the perimeter and making his man the screener, you know, Ibaka is going to be there back at the rim. And it's not Pascal Siakam, right? It's, it's just a much sort of better relationship. So I think 
you know, having Ibaka on the floor, presumably in the starting lineup, we still haven't seen them play together because Ibaka missed the last game uh, before the All-Star break just because it was such a crazy day for him and he had like seven hours of physicals um, and had, hadn't even met Dwayne Casey two hours before the game. Um, but I, I think once we see it, you know, with, with Ibaka in the starting five, I think it's just going to, you know, really sort of fit nicely. And I think the Raptors, like especially come playoff time, are going to have a really nice tight front court rotation. I mean, Lucas Nogueira is probably going to get some run, uh, you know, probably 10 minutes or so a game, you know, in the regular season. But I think come playoff time, you don't have to rely on Baby to play at all if you don't want to. You can have Ibaka, you know, Patterson and Valanciunas split those 96 minutes in the front court and be totally fine. Um, maybe sprinkle in a bit of Carroll at the four if you want to go small. But I think that's the other thing, too, is that the Raptors have just a ton of different lineup combinations they can go to now. They can go super small if they want to go, you know, Ibaka with Carroll or Patterson with Carroll. They've used that before. It's been a lineup, actually, that was really successful in a game against Boston this season, uh, for example. You can go sort of pseudo small with Ibaka and Patterson, where you have shooting at both for, both front court spots, but they're a little bigger. They might get a little taxed on the boards, but if they're going up against smaller guys, I mean, they should be just fine. And the defensive, you know, switchability and capability of those guys is ridiculous. I mean, Patterson has been just so awesome defensively this year, shutting guys down one-on-one, being just a really good team defender or glue guy, um, and throwing Ibaka into that mix, even if he's not the defensive player of the year, Ibaka, from a few years ago, I think it's just going to, you know, sort of up the level of everything the Raptors do. And it's just, I I mean, maybe I'm overselling it, but I think considering what the Raptors have had at that power forward spot, um, just having someone of Ibaka's level of competence is just going to make a huge, huge difference. Yeah, um, I really like the deal for them. Like, I think Millsap, I would have preferred Millsap if I was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you're getting a guy who's been a good shooter, who I think when he is the guy that we've seen um, in the playoffs, like, he hasn't been the Ibaka that he was early in his career for a little bit now, right? Like, he hasn't been that guy all the time. But we saw it during the playoffs last year against Oklahoma, or against the Thunder, or against the Warriors, excuse me. When he was mm-hmm. like he was that guy for that series, and I think at the very least, he is a guy that he's better than Pascal. He's better than Jared Sellinger. Like mm-hmm. he's a clear upgrade over those guys. Um, I and it's like I think in the short term it makes a lot of sense. I think it gives them considering the market, considering what they were able to not give up really and not deplete their wing rotation. Uh, I, I think like it gives you them the best chance they have this year of getting everything in line, right? Like you need to get Lowry kind of right. You need to get some of the mojo back, but like I think that deal gives them a better chance of figuring everything out than not doing anything. And I like it in that sense. I mean, I've, I'd be worried about paying him and Lowry this summer, but I mean, you're gonna cross that bridge when you get there. And like if yeah. if things go really bad, you can just choose not to offer him a contract when you really didn't give up enough that should make you feel bad about the deal in a couple months. Yeah, I think that that's totally fair. I think the Raptors have you know, some time here to experiment with it and see what works. And, you know, Patrick Patterson's a free agent this summer as well, too, so they have that decision to weigh. Um, I also think, too, like, you know, there was lots of conversation about Ibaka's lack of commitment this year in Orlando. And it's only human nature, right? Like, I do think we're going to see a more sort of energized version of Ibaka with the Raptors because, I mean, you go from playing on a perennial conference finals contender, a final you know championship contender in the Thunder, and you end up playing for the freaking Orlando Magic where just nothing works. None of the front court combinations make any sense on paper. And he's just kind of being, you know, shoehorned into a team that really isn't going anywhere. I mean, it's understandable that Ibaka wouldn't be too pleased. And, you know, I think he's going to be helped by the fact that him and Masai Ujiri are very good friends. Uh, they know each other well from, uh, you know, bas- basketball without borders and Ibaka's work with that as well as, 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 well as Masai's. 
Um, and I think Ibaka, you know, he's going to be a little more re-energized playing with the Raptors in a team that's, you know, in a real playoff race. And uh, I, I think you can't discount that as a factor in terms of why he didn't look so good this season and why he might be better than what he, he has been so far with Orlando this year. I mean, as far as the summer goes, I mean, I am kind of on the side of I'm totally okay paying Ibaka going forward because uh, I think you lock yourself into a core of Lowry, DeRozan, and Ibaka, and then maybe you can keep Patterson. Maybe you can offload some salary like Carroll or Valanciunas and keep Patterson. MLSC, the owners of the Raptors, have been like very okay, it sounds like, with paying the luxury tax. Um, it doesn't sound like that's going to be an issue if the Raptors need to go into it. And, you know, I, I think if you lock yourself into a core of Lowry, DeRozan, and Ibaka, while maybe you're not, you know, a guaranteed finals team in the next few years, it continues the window. It prolongs the the window where maybe there's a 5% chance every year, maybe a 10% chance that you can squeak into a finals. And I think for the Raptors, that's totally acceptable because I don't really see a path for them to get to, you know, Cavs level right now. I mean, there's no you know, ridiculous superstar on the roster. I think you got to milk whatever you can out of whatever Kyle Lowry has left. And paying him this summer comes with its risks as well. Uh, because he is going to be 31 and he's going to, you know, eventually hit a downturn in his career. Um, but I think, you know, prolong, prolonging this window as long as you can is going to be important for the Raptors. And eventually down the road, if things start to, to slip and Ibaka and Lowry age and it's not looking so good, you can still trade those guys eventually for something to sort of kickstart a rebuild. Maybe it's not great value, but at the same time, if you let Lowry and Ibaka walk this summer, you're getting no value at all anyway. So I think, you know, prolonging the window, signing these guys and just sort of, giving yourself a shot for the next few years. Uh, maybe LeBron, you know, starts to wear down. Again, I don't think that's ever going to happen because he's a robot, but um, I think that that's probably the best, you know, sort of solution to everything here for the Raptors is to just stay good. And it's just been such a long haul for the Raptors being just absolutely terrible that, you know, for me, I'm totally okay with them staying good and being relevant. Maybe not making it to a finals, but being relevant has its value as well. Yeah, I, th I think that's 100% fair, too. I think you have to sort of do this stuff. I don't necessarily think... Like, you have to just spend money at some point, right? Like, I think that's yeah. just sort of... If you're going to get a lot of high-level guys, you're going to have to pay. It's just, I think, inevitable to do that. Um, it's like, I don't see the Raptors going out and getting Paul George or Jimmy Butler either, right? Yeah. So, like, kind of stuck yeah. with what they have. And while maybe it isn't the best, you know, roster in the league, it's pretty damn good. And I think, like, 25 teams would kill for it, so... Uh, roll with that, I think. Um, my question to you, though, is like, you know, I talked about having a small chance to get to the finals. Uh, the same day that the Serge Ibaka thing broke, uh, Kevin Love had surgery and is out for six weeks, I think it is. And, yeah, I mean, knee surgery is always weird. And, I mean, we know firsthand with Damari Carroll last year, they said six weeks. He was out for, like, 12. Uh, and he missed, you know, a big chunk of last season. He only played, like, 27 games with, you know, nagging knee things throughout most of the year. Um, so it's never a guarantee that a knee injury is going to, you know, sort of abide by the timeline that's allotted. Um, so are you at all concerned about the, the, the Cavs right now? I mean, I, it's so it, we're still so far from the playoffs and I kind of err on the side of if Kevin Love is back and healthy, the Cavs, it doesn't really matter if they slip in the standings or whatever. I still think the Cavs are just preeminent favorites to make it to the to the finals. I don't really think any team is really going to challenge them unless Boston makes some crazy trade in the next 48 hours. But um, I don't know. Are you worried at all with this love injury and sort of the you know kind of lack of depth on the roster right now? J.R. Smith is still out. Um, are you at all concerned about the Cavs' chances of getting back to another finals? I'm more worried than I would have been a month ago. Right. Uh, the love thing isn't great, especially because I think the optics of it are sort of troubling, right? Like, I don't know how much you saw some of this, but they played him. They apparently knew he was hurt on that road trip they had. 
and then he plays in the second half of a back-to-back in OKC, a game that the Cavs lose and LeBron plays 40 minutes. Yeah. Then you get back to Cleveland, they play the Nuggets that Saturday. In the locker room, Love usually a lot of times ices his knee. But he, and so he's icing his knee when we're all in the locker room doing interviews and stuff and waiting to talk to guys. So And he's in a good mood, generally. Like, he didn't seem very troubled. So this, to me, it didn't exactly surprise me that there was an issue with his knee um, because he, he actually has a history of left knee issues. Like, this isn't the first time he's had surgery on that knee, actually. Uh, but, like, I, I think if he's back healthy and he has time to play before the playoffs, I mean, screw it. If he has time to play before the second round of the playoffs, I'm not too wor- I'm not, like, too worried about it. Yeah, but I think if he's not actually 100 percent, and that he has to, and he's not 100 percent at all during the playoffs, like no, no one's 100 100 percent in the playoffs. But if he's not like close to the best version we've seen of him, that's a problem. And if J.R. Smith isn't back as well, that's an issue too. Like that's that's a pretty big thing if both those guys aren't right, and especially because J.R. Smith wasn't good before he got hurt his thumb, and Kevin Love was really really good. He was having the best year, in my opinion, of his Cavs career. But if he's not right, like that, that's a problem. But I mean, again, I'm with you. Like I would pick the Cavs if they were the eight seed. I think I'd pick them to get out of the East. Yeah. Like it's just like I think they're that good, and I think they're that much better. Um, Toronto, if they make another move and figure things out, could change that. Boston gets Jimmy Butler. That could certainly change that. But I'm not too worried about it. But I, I, I worry about the optics of it, and I worry about how the Cavs are actually going to manage minutes because I, I don't really. I, don't, I have not a ton of critiques of Ty Lue as a coach. I think he's been good for the locker room. I think he's done a really good job of getting the most out of guys. I think he's able to do that in a way David Blatt certainly couldn't, especially with LeBron James. Hmm. But I don't think he's necessarily managed minutes in the best way. LeBron's minutes, I think LeBron's played too many minutes. I think uh, I think Kyrie is honestly playing too many minutes as well, and I think there's no upside of playing Kevin Love and LeBron James and Kyrie Irving in that Thursday game against the Thunder. Yes, it's the national TV. Yes, they probably do feel some sense of um, ownership to those markets where uh, player where they are the one to play once. Like I do think as much as like teams should be really selfish, that probably does come up in some way. Mm-hmm. I there's just no upside to them playing that game. And like and if he was hurt, like just get him checked out. Be precautious. That that's kind of my thing where I stand on it. Yeah, I mean, we had the same thing with with Damari Carroll last year, and that like he had anything came back, was still backed up, and then was clearly not a hundred percent. And then Jimmy Butler scored fifty points on him, and then he had surgery the next day, and it was just like, why didn't you just have surgery or just like keep him out? So this was not necessary. Um, so NBA teams be be more cautious with knees. Um, let me ask you though, like, what is a bigger concern for you then? Is it Kevin Love and the sort of process of getting him back to hundred percent, or is it LeBron's minutes? LeBron's minutes. Yeah? Yeah, because Even I... He, he never wears down and is, is a monster. Like, he's a monster, but, like, I think an underrated thing from last year's finals was that he was managed really, really well um, leading up to last year's... Um, leading up to last year's playoff run. Like, he was not right. taxed. So, like, I'm sure he's leading the league in minutes. He's doing everything for the Cavs, and I just... I just don't really see the point of it. Like, you want LeBron to peak and be as fresh as he can for the conference finals and for the Warriors, assuming that's the finals matchup. Um, you yeah. need him to be that way to beat the, I mean, frankly, like, I think the Cavs' margin for error this year is smaller than last year. I just think the Warriors are just absurd. And if they're going to get there again, they need LeBron. And I think their margin for error in the East is lower than it was last year, than it was last year too, right? Like, I think 
Toronto to figure things out are going to be better than they were last year, I think. Boston, I think, is better. I think the Wizards give them – it makes the second round a bit dicier than it might have been. Um, not saying they're going to lose, but I think it makes it trickier. I want, LeBron's rest matters more than anything, and I think as long as Love doesn't have any setbacks, and as far as we know, he's not really – he's it's this isn't like a reconstructive surgery. Like I think that's going to probably work itself out. LeBron has to be right for everything. Right? Like Kevin Love could be 100%, and if LeBron is not rested and ready to go, none of it really matters, I think. Yeah, that's fair. And, like, Raptors fans are kind of having the same sort of panic with Kyle Lowry's minutes. But the thing is, like, Kyle Lowry's needed for the Raptors just to kind of keep in this sort of seeding race in the East because they've slipped and it's because they've had some injuries and just some poor play of late. But, you know, Lowry being on the court is super important for the Raptors. They're so much better with him on the floor. And, you know, he's playing like 38 to 42 minutes every night. And it's definitely concerning because, you know, he plays in a sort of way where he's always getting banged by big guys and stuff like that. And, like, he's just a smaller guy who is more prone to getting injured. And it's definitely concerning. But I think for the Cavs, it's less necessary for LeBron to play so much. Like, the Raptors need Kyle Lowry to play those minutes if they want to win games, especially as they've been struggling. Like, they need him on the floor. Whereas the Cavs, I don't even think they need to win games, per se. Like, I think they're totally fine no matter where they end up. They have a nice cushion in the East. Like, this is what it was nice, like, earlier in the season when the Raptors had a nice cushion on second in the East before this entire slump where they've just been horrible in the new year. Um, Like, that is what that cushion was for. It was to, you know, give some leeway to manage Kyle Lowry, maybe get DeLon Wright some more minutes, get Corey Joseph some more minutes as the backup point guards. Uh, but that kind of margin is gone now, and the Raptors need Lowry to play every minute he can in order to sort of not slip any further in this conference, you know, race because that you know the, the playoff bracket comes into bind, and it's hard to say whether or not the Cavs are going to come first or second right now. I kind of think Boston has a good shot of passing them, um, considering that the Cavs might just sort of take the foot off the gas here without Kevin Love, and if they're smart, they'll rest LeBron James a little bit more um, and just kind of take whatever they get. And, you know, it's it's way too early to sort of be gauging if, if the third or fourth seed is better for the Raptors, because obviously you want to avoid the Cavs as long as you can. Um, but it, it's it's tough. Like the Raptors need to start winning some games here. They got to start stringing together some wins and they got to sort of maybe close the gap on Boston. The first game out of the All-Star break is going to be massive because they play the Celtics and it's Ibaka's first game and it's for the season series as well. So the Raptors can go down and go from being down four games in the standings to essentially two and a half. Um, so that game is going to be gigantic. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think the, the minutes thing is always a concern. But for LeBron, I think he, of all people, can kind of afford to rest. Yeah. How do you think um, How do you think the Raptors fit in with the rest of the teams in the East? Like, where do you think, if you're talking about them at their very best and projecting where Ibaka is going to be, how do you think they fit in within Cleveland, Boston, Washington? I think... The top to bottom roster talent, they're second behind Cleveland. I think I'd they're agree. really. Deep. I would agree. Um, you know, you, you, we mentioned the Ibaka deal, and we sort of talked about Norm Powell a little bit, but I mean, the Ibaka deal opens up Norm Powell to be a regular rotation player, and he's like damn good for what he is. Like a second round pick, he's still got some kinks in his game that he's got to iron out, but mo- mostly he's just a really productive guy when he's on the floor, and just that, that opens up a lot more minutes there. So I think the roster is more balanced now. Um, the starting lineup isn't going to have a black hole in it anymore. You're not giving minutes to guys who don't, you know, deserve to be playing minutes. Um, but they've shown too that they have like depth at the end of the bench. I mean, that last game before the All Star break, they closed the last 12 minutes of the game. They played with a lineup of Lowry, Joseph, Delon Wright, Damari Carroll, and Jakob Pertl, and ended up, you know, just blowing away the Hornets in the fourth quarter in a big comeback. So like they have lots of utility on the roster, but I think their nine man rotation is like 
really airtight and solid. Um, but I think when it comes to matchups, like I think Washington's this, the the third best, te- the third most talented team in the East. Just like that starting five is absurd, and they need to make a deal. They got to add someone on the bench, I think. But I think that starting five is just so so good. Um, but I think in terms of a matchup, like Washington horrifies me as a Raptors fan. Like I, I really don't think the Raptors would win a series against Washington as currently constructed, um, or it would be you know a really hard fought series, and maybe the Raptors could squeak it out. But I just think. You know, John Wall is a problem. Uh, you know, Bradley Beal has been playing out of his mind. Otto Porter has shown in the past that he can shut down DeMar DeRozan one-on-one. Marching Gortat's like one of the only players in the NBA that's stronger than Jonas Valanciunas. He can sort of knock him off the block and defend him in the post. It's just a, a really unfavorable matchup for the Raptors. I think if the Raptors came across Boston, I might take the Raptors to win in five. I just think they match up so well with them. And Lowry gives Isaiah Thomas a lot of problems. I mean... Everyone talks about the last game these two teams played where Isaiah Thomas had like 25 points in the fourth quarter and, and was you know out of his mind. Kyle Lowry almost went shot for shot with him. And if DeMar DeRozan hadn't been out that game, I think they would have had way more ways to attack you know the, the weakness that Isaiah Thomas is. And Marcus Smart wouldn't have been able to key in so much on Lowry. They wouldn't have been able to trap Lowry so much. Um, and I think having both Lowry and DeRozan really gives Boston problems. Jonas Valanciunas has destroyed Boston as well. Patrick Patterson has done a really good job shutting down Al Horford at times this season. Um, they can go small, they can go big, and sort of you know throw different mismatches at Boston. So I think overall, you know, I think the Raptors are the second most talented. But I think you know if I was to go like a ladder of who I think they would beat, I would put them third behind Washington. Uh, but maybe that's just me having PTSD from the 2014 playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I mean I think great. I think like I love what Toronto can do um I think like I'm not and I'm not big on Boston with them without having everything right like I think uh, I I just think like if they're healthy and Lowry's at his best like he's like I'm I love Kyrie Irving um Lowry's been the best point guard in the east for the last I think like, you make a case for Wall now I think Wall's been good enough for yeah. long enough yeah I, him, I, but, like, I think Wall and, Lowry and everyone else thing. yeah I think like like, I think Kyrie at his best is, like, right in that conversation, but he's not that all the time. He's mm-hmm. just not, and I think the defensive stuff is a problem. Um, yeah, that's where I'm concerned about Thomas in the playoffs. I just oh, think teams I, just I, it, it like I, like, feel like a hater saying this a little bit, to be honest <laughs> with you, because he's, so he is really fun. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the dude's – if you look at any defensive metric, he rates out terribly. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's he, like. I think like, he's the worst in defensive RPM. Like he's yeah, just like a complete liability defensively. Yeah, I mean, if if you look at like Kyrie Irving in the playoffs is like gonna have some problems staying in front of him probably. Like I think anyone's gonna have problems staying in front of Isaiah because he's so good. Um, but like Kyrie's gonna cook him. <laughs> like <laughs> Kyle Lowry is gonna cook him. Like they can post him up and create yeah. these issues. And like if you if if it gets so bad, they have to get, take him off the floor. Like I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen, but like that—that's—that's that's like a thing. Like that's not something that's like out of the question. I, I don't think. Um, yeah, well, that's what the Raptors do with Thomas. Is they they run this one-two pick and roll action with Demar and and Kyle and just kind of rotate who has the mismatch on him. And it's either you post him up or you you know ha- hammer him with a screen and Lowry will hit a three around that. Um, like the, the, the he just has no way to contend with what the and like it's not like the, the I mean the Celtics have other wing wing guys who can defend like Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder uh, are good defenders but they've never really given DeRozan problems for some reason and that's just sort of a weird quirk and maybe that evens itself out in a playoff series but it's been two or three seasons now where neither of those guys have really done anything against DeMar so yeah, that sort of leads to why I think the Raptors have a, an advantage 
advantage in that series for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I literally am look. I looked up RPM as we're talking. Um, Isaiah has the worst defensive RPM amongst point guards for the season by a full point. Wow. <laughs> like, and de- it's like Schroeder and then Co- then Kojo, Corey Joseph, uh, then Brandon Knight, Derek Rose, and Trey Burke are, are the other bottom feeders. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, like he's not a good defensive player. And like, I, he's a sensational offensively, but, like, that's going to matter in the playoffs. And I think that, that hurts Boston, especially because they don't have – the the quote unquote like traditional rim protection that other teams have like and I don't actually think any the, the Gortat might be Gortat might be the best like defensive center out of those four teams yeah uh, unless yeah. maybe Bogut ends up on Boston if they can't get anything else done like that's been rumored and that that would help them for sure but I'm not sure that's like a huge game changer for them either no I mean I don't think like Bogut would to me like make them like a straight up threat to the Cavs um, I don't I just don't think it would I I kind of just for intriguing sake I hope all these teams do something like I hope uh, Toronto gets another. I think Toronto probably would, would like think another shooter maybe. Yeah, I think with Ross gone, like a shooter would definitely be top of the list. I mean, a shooter or just a guy who can sort of, you know, be okay shooting threes, but also kind of play good, decent defense, sort of at the three or, or maybe even the four a little bit. Although people seem to be wanting a, like a like a three four type guy. I don't think the four aspect of that is totally necessary because the Raptors have Bebaka and Patterson now to eat up all those minutes at the four, but. Um, yeah, like I, the couple of guys that I've sort of thrown around, like Lance Thomas or Justin Holiday with the Knicks would be nice. Um, I think you know Marco Bellinelli, while he's not a great defender, just having his shooter shooting would be nice as well. Uh, PJ Tucker is another one who's been the Raptors have been rumored to be after. It just depends on what they can give up, right? Because like, I don't think they're in the business of giving up you know another first round pick if it's not going to be a significant upgrade to their chances in the Eastern Conference. Like I think they're fine with what they have. Um, and, you know, maybe they give DeLon Wright more minutes, although he's not a shooter either. Um, but I think they'd be okay if they don't make a deal. But if the right price comes along and they get down to the last couple minutes of deadline day and some team is looking to offload somebody and it's the best offer they can get, I think the Raptors would definitely jump at someone like that um, because it would just sort of even out the rotation a little bit more and just sort of give them a bit of more oomph on the back of the bench and just sort of maybe just like a gadget player they could throw out in certain matchups here and there. I mean, maybe, maybe P.J. Tucker barely plays for the Raptors, but... Maybe there are certain matchups where he's necessary to sort of help guard a big wing or someone like that. If they come across, like, the Pacers in the first round, you put him on Paul George, and that just eases, eases the load that everyone has to deal with because Damari Carroll hasn't been a great defender this season. Obviously, you know, DeMar DeRozan's not great. Norm Powell's pretty good, but he's also only 6'4", um, so he's not, like, a, a guy who's going to shut people down um, if they're, like, really big and physical. So, yeah, I think that's the kind of guy that the Raptors should be after. I have no idea if they'll get it done, um, but it's gonna. I, and I, and I worry that they're gonna get into a bidding war because all these teams seem to be after some of the similar players, right? So yeah, the market's not, not like great a, for like. Yeah, it's not like a box players. where it didn't seem like many teams were after him, where they could sort of just you know set the price with their one offer, and that was kind of it. Like a lot of guys want PJ Tucker, so I worry there's gonna be a bit of a bidding war there. Yeah, um, the again like, PJ Tucker, like per the Woj. The Warriors' vertical shows like the the price from is like a first round pick. And I wasn't yeah. even sure like like Lou Williams was going to get a first round pick. Yeah, kudos to Magic Johnson, man. <laughs> yeah, Magic ma- Magic out here like first deal like, he makes is super competent. Yeah, and I was like super like I was okay with like the Wizards getting Lou Williams because like I've experienced the Lou Williams like experience in the playoffs before. And, like, his weird sort of herky-jerky get fouled on your weird jump shot thing, like, that's not going to fly in the playoffs. It didn't two years ago against the Wizards. He was horrible. And he's also just a nothing defensively. So, 
Uh, I would have been totally okay with one of the competitors in the Eastern Conference picking him up and uh, having Kyle Lowry or Marty Roseman to- torch them at some point in the playoffs. But, uh, oh, well, I guess Houston will, will enjoy him, I suppose. Yeah, I think actually he's going to be really good in Houston because I think he fits that style really well. And he, yeah. Like, if I mean, you can yeah. shoot. Like if you can shoot and, and play on that team, like I'm down for it. Even if like the defensive stuff doesn't matter quite as much, I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like a guy like TJ Tucker for the Wizards, I think would be a really nice pickup for them. Just, I mean, anyone that's not terrible would be a nice pickup for them. But yeah, like Taren, um, if they could get like Terrence Jones and PJ Tucker, like they're, they'd yeah. be good for them. Yeah, um, for sure. Especially because I don't know why the Pelicans are like they apparently are gonna they mutually want to move on. Like Terrence Jones wants to leave now. And uh, they've they've talked about like making him like wanting to accommodate that for him. Yeah, like, yeah. I just don't know why they would do that. Like he's better. It's also than weird for a guy on like yeah. a one year minimum deal to be requesting a trade, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that's bizarre. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like who was like who played really badly at the end of his time in Houston and is like gonna move on. I don't know. It just seems kind of wonky. It seems pretty wonky to me. I mean, at the same time, it's if it's like a show of goodwill. I mean, I guess that can sort of you know play into a team's favor with agents or whatever down the line or free agents. I mean, who knows? I, that's if they don't think they have use for Terrence Jones. I mean, I think they probably could use him because you need more than just two big men. Um, and like, he's probably their fourth best player right now, fourth most talented at least. So I don't know why they would deal him, but if they do, I mean, the wizards would be, uh, that, that scares me a little bit because he's been really good this season. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. And before, as we sort of move towards the end of this show, yeah. um, if you were the Cavs, what would you do? Like, what would your would you make a deal? Would you like wait for the buyout market? How would you sort of approach this? Yeah, it's tough, right? The Cavs don't really have a whole lot to work with trade wise, right? They have <laughs> trade exception and that uh, trade exceptions. Uh, if you're into Oman Shumper, like you can have him. Uh, <laughs> if you really like Chetty Osman, you could probably get him too. And they have uh, bad first round picks. Yeah, so like, there's not a whole lot to deal with. Um, so I don't know, maybe they could. I, I, again, like, who are they really going to trade for? I mean, I'm, I'm sure someone who gets bought would be a better or just as good sort of option. You don't have to give up assets for them anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows if Tyreek Evans is going to get let go by the Kings? I think that would be pretty interesting. I know Tyreek is kind of a, you know, he pounds the ball into the ground a lot, but he, as a second unit creator who maybe doesn't play a whole lot in the playoffs, but just kind of helps stem the tide before the end of the season and sort of gives more leeway for LeBron to, to sit, I think that could work for sure. Um, yeah, other than that, I just like they don't need that much. They're really good once everyone's healthy. Like they're really good with Kyle Korver. They're a lot deeper. Um, you know, a backup point guard would be nice, I guess. But I, I don't really see who's out there. I mean, Darren Williams maybe, but it sounds like the Jazz are in for him as well. So if there's a bidding war. It looks like the Cavs will probably be on the short end of that. I, I mean, Shelvin Mack's name was thrown around, I think, earlier today on Twitter. I'd be down for Shelvin Mack. Yeah. He fits into the trade exception. The Jazz have like five point guards. Um, yeah. So I don't know why they want Darren Williams. I actually would be interested to see if they could like, even if it costs them like Osman, who I I do like in a pick or something like that, um, or like they'd attach like Kay Felder if the team wanted Kay Felder. You could do like a two for one deal with Shumpert, and um, for like two, two guys, like the salary could work. Like Al, I think like Alec Burks and Shelvin Mack would work if Utah wanted to do that. I don't think, like, Amon Shumper gets you that, but, like, you could do something like that if you could make the salary work. And I think I could see them doing that. Oddly enough, like, Corey Joseph would be a really good player for the Cavs, I think. I just don't think that, I mean, the Raptors aren't going to help the Cavs by that. No, no. But I think, like, you know, with Delon Wright potentially being kind of good for the Raptors and, you know, maybe deserving more minutes, I I don't think Corey Joseph is going to get traded this season, per se, but... I do think he'll get dealt in the offseason just because the, the Raptors are going to have to offload some salary, and that's an easy one to do. But 
just like looking at it on paper, Joseph would be kind of perfect for them. Yeah, uh, Kojo would be great. I like him a lot. I know he's had some issues this year, but I do, I do like him. He's been offensively this year. Yeah, just, that, that, I didn't realize his RPM. Like, I didn't realize that until I saw his RPM, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. But, I mean, if you put him in a – like, if you put him in Cleveland, like, maybe you can, like, mitigate that a little bit, I guess. Like, not that Cleveland's, like, this great defensive team, but um, – oh, he's only making $7 million. Ooh. Like, that's, okay. Plus you, plus you have Corey Joseph and Tristan Thompson re- reunited. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here for the for the Toronto Cleveland takeover. Um, I mean, I just feel like what would you like? Like, let's just say hypothetically, like the Cavs talk about that. Like, I just don't think the Cavs have anything that would actually get them Corey Joseph. Like, do you want? Like, do you want him on Shumper? Like, no, we're good. Yeah, like, like it's like Powell. They're fine. Yeah, like the salary that works is like Shumper, Channing Fry, and Jr. Like the three guys, and it's like you're Channing Fry. If you can, if you give us Channing Fry, so the Raptors don't get destroyed by Channing Fry every time they play. Cavs, I'd be down for that. Right. Uh, you, you, then wait to see him play defense, though. Like that's that's where you get into some some issues. <laughs> it seemed better in the playoffs last year or in the yeah, conference finals. Yeah, yeah, he did just like yeah, he did torch Toronto for that little. I bit. still have like nightmares of Game Four in the final, like the last quarter there, where the the Cavs ran that set where it was Della Vadova with LeBron and uh, I think it was Richard Jefferson with Channing Frye and Shumpert was standing in the corner. And just like they were just running this little pick and roll action, and they just sort of run like having like option plays off of that, and it just destroyed the Raptors. They scored like twelve straight possessions. The Raptors ended up winning the game because, again, Channing Fry not so good at defense, but um, that was that I, I'm just that that really haunted me for a while that the, the Cavs could just score with such deadly efficiency with a bunch of bench dudes around LeBron. It was uh, truly truly magnificent to watch, and also just horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Uh, him hitting threes is when he's done it. It's been re- it's really really fun. Like when him and Corver eventually have a game where they both hit threes, it's gonna be just like how do you defend the Cavs? Like, oh yeah, and it's like imagine yeah, imagine that lineup I just said with Corver in the corner instead of Shumpert, right? Like that's yeah, good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if he if like Kyle Corver is the is like the your like safety valve, like just like <laughs> just call it a day, man. Um, all right, let's wrap let's wrap it up on this thing. Let's let's yeah. power rank. The four teams in the East at the top, because I'm and it's not standings wise. I don't think it's Toronto still fifth. Or are they fourth now? They're fourth. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're just ahead of Atlanta. All right, so Cleveland, Boston, Washington, Toronto. How do you power rank them? Into, and not, let's not say like how good they are right now, because I think Toronto would uh, the recent stretch stretch for them isn't great. But like, how would you rank them in terms of how you think they're going to stack up when it comes to playoff? And how do you, like in terms of title chances of coming out of the East? I would go Cavs. Wizards, Raptors, Celtics, um, and yeah, I think I feel pretty good about that. I mean, the, the Wizards are, are playing really well right, right now, and maybe they get an injury because that's what they're prone to, and things change. But as of right now, I think that's how I'd stack it up. What about you? Cleveland, Toronto, if they're if they're healthy, Washington, Boston. But I feel like weird about I, Boston could be a little bit higher, I guess. Um, I could like argue for that for them. And the caveat is if they get Jimmy Butler. And if they or if they get Paul George, they go to number two for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and if the Raptors end up playing Chicago in the first round, then then they go to four because there's no way. They're... <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Dwayne Wade and uh, and Paul Zipser and Mark. It's like not even gonna be Butler. It's just gonna be like the Bulls are gonna just do some stuff, and it's gonna be like, well, it's, it's yeah. been nice. That's like but a you... very that's such a bizarre thing is that the Bulls just always beat the Raptors. It feels like. yeah. So you're aware of the curse, right? Like how yeah. just ridiculous yeah. and like nonsensical it is. I mean, it's been eleven games now. 
Uh, December 31st, 2013 was the last time the Raptors beat the Bulls. And like, it's not like the Bulls have been that good in that time. They have, like, one good team in there. Yeah. And it just, it's it's nonstop. It yeah, I remember, like, the re- it was, like, a week ago when it, that, that loss, I think it was, right? Um, yeah. It was, like, they, huge. They got it scored, like, 58-39 in the first half, and it was just like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. okay. It was, like, <laughs> it was like because I follow, like, these more Raptors. It was, like, you, Blake Murphy, um, John Goddess, <laughs> like – Every every like Raptors blogger I follow and like showed up on my timeline like at once. It was like it was like when Hawks Twitter used to be like very in sync with each other. It was like <laughs> almost the same thing, but just like a little bit more pessimistic. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's a depressing time every time the Raptors play the Bulls, and I think they're done with them this season. So that's that's good at least. Yeah, they, I, I have one game left with them. I don't know. Yeah. I, I try not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't think about the. I mean, thinking about the Bulls in general is sort of like not a fun experience. It's like not cool. quite like Knicks bad, but it's just like uh, you think about. That roster, you're just like, oh, this is a little gross. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, this was fun, man. Yeah, this always. Was fun. We'll have yeah. to do it before the the Raptors play the Cavs in a probably meaningless, meaningless game in the final game of the regular season. Yeah, uh, I, I'm like so ready for like, I'm going to take a week off. Like, I'm going to pod, but I'm just going to chill and enjoy <laughs> that week. Um, but everyone out there, you should go give both these pods five star ratings and reviews. You should, everyone yes. should uh, give us five star ratings and reviews, share it on Twitter and everything. And, uh, yeah, I will be back tomorrow. I don't know if Sean will be back tomorrow for the Lock on Raptors listeners, but uh, I will be back tomorrow. Uh, no, I'll, probably, I'll, I'll do something, probably. I don't yeah. know. And trade deadline. It's trade deadline. We got to get the content out there. So, yeah. yeah, and something <laughs> just totally uh, bonkers could happen in like five seconds. So I mean, This is probably going to be out of date by the time we finish recording. Yeah, so. I mean, for all, yeah, and for all we know, like um, – the Cavs are just going to, like, trade Kevin Love for Carmelo and my head's going to blow up by the time the podcast <laughs> comes out. So, like, who knows? Uh, again, for, dumb teams having too much time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and that's how, again, like, if David Griffin does make it through and he does pull something off, his contract is actually up at the end of the year, which I found out today. He's going to back up that Brings truck and be like, Dan Gilbert, give me the money. Just give me all, give me all the money. Every What he should do is every trade exception he's ever created, he should add that up. And like average it out and be like that's that's what I want as my salary for next like that's what I would do that's how I would negotiate it because he's the David Griffin forever and ever and ever uh, but for Chris Manning for Sean Woodley it's been locked on Cavs it's been locked on Raptors uh, we will talk to you guys soon and enjoy the deadline. Okay, Kevin, for the grand prize of $1 million, what color is the White House? Um, I know this, I know this, I know this. Um, five seconds. Oh, switching to Geico could save you a bunch of money on car insurance? Okay. Judges? That's true, Kevin. Bill will allow it. Congratulations. You're a winner. Woo! Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. 